And we're back. How we doing, Anna? Well, Todd, things are heating up. Ooh, yes, Nelson with the jalapeno poppers. Incredible. Ramirez comes in hot with a cheeseburger, patty, lettuce, tomatoes. Beautiful formation. Is he? <gasps> He's going for it. Ramirez grabs the Duke's mayo. Look at it go. The twang. Anna, this is the best tailgate I've ever commentated on. Tailgate with twang. Get the official mayo of the tailgate. Duke's mayo today. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome in today for episode 96 of the Podwans podcast. I'm your host, Char Char J, joined by my co-host, Harith. Hello. Hope everyone's having a fantastic Thursday night. For those of you who are wondering, is not here today. He is currently having some... He's going to be attending a wedding, so he's got some planning to do. So he'll be taking some time away from the podcast. But Harith and I will be taking the reins of this episode. Today, we're going to be talking about season three episodes 12 and 13 aka the ghosts of geonosis arc we got two guests on to talk about saw Guerrera, a little bit of clone wars flashbacks captain rex and a bunch of fun things here are we ready to go yep let's do it the jedi knights are all but destroyed and yet your task is not complete inquisitor the emperor has foreseen a new threat rising against him the podwans podcast back okay so we have two guests on today as i mentioned before one returner and one newcomer to pod one and we're excited to introduce them right now so let's bring our returner in for this episode she appeared on our show many times she is the cassian andor stan the rogue one stan the Jin ursa lover the saw Gerrera lover and everything in the realm of rogue one tony Gil- anything by tony gilroy <laughs> basically is in her loophole let's bring in m at stardust m long time no see <laughs> hi hey the last the last time i talked to you we were talking about kino loy swimming any update on that <laughs> I okay. still hope he can't swim. Get him some floaties. But uh, M, how are you? How you been? Uh, last time I talked to you was what two weeks ago? Yeah, last week. You, you were here pretty. <laughs> recently. Yeah, last week. You were here really recently. Last um, week. I, sometimes I lose track of time. M, where can the good people find you on social media? Uh, yeah, you can find me on TikTok at Stardust M. You should go like my Aldani Rebels edit. I put so much effort to it, and it's flopping so hard over there. Uh, and then you can also find me on TikTok and Instagram at underscore Stardust M. And you can listen to my podcast because we're in relay which i host with my friends hey awesome it's glad to have you back i'm so yeah, i mean this back. episode completely suits you i mean it's got saw Guerrero, <laughs> one of your favorite characters and i'm sure yes. you're super excited to talk about him today i am thank you for coming up now let's bring in our second guest a newcomer to the pod once podcast we have seen him a lot of the times in the twitter space and luke is close with him and hopefully i'll become closer with him today let's bring in austin at austin swe hello thank you guys so much for having me i'm super excited to be here it feels weird because like i always watch the podcast but like now i'm here talking to you guys i can like interact yeah so yeah i've seen you in the chat a few times you were you were in last week right yes yeah because i had to prepare i was like oh man i'm coming out to the podcast <laughs> Gotta get, like a feel of the aroma <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah we're, we're you know we're chill we yes. like we like talking just having a good time but uh austin um where can the good people find you on social media? Find me on Instagram at uh, SWE Austin and Twitter SWE Austin Zero. I just do Star Wars stuff on platforms. Awesome. All right. So, Harith, be ready to get into the icebreaker question because I have one icebreaker question to ask. Break into it. All right. So, as I mentioned before, we're going to be covering season three, episodes 12 and 13, The Ghosts of Geonosis. And the icebreaker for today's episode has to do with something that Saw Gerrera mentioned. And a recent game that came out. It's called Jedi Survivor. So in the in the in the the arc, Saw Gerrera tells Kanan and Ezra that he's never he never thought he'd meet another Jedi, much less two. In Jedi Survivor, we learn that Cal 
Cal is closely working with Saw Gerrera. So do you think Cal makes it out of the... Does he survive before Rebels, or is he going to be around after Rebels? I, I think if there's one I, because... thing Saul loves to do, it's lie. That man loves to lie. <laughs> from what I'm feeling, it's that it's either Cal leaves Saw or Cal goes bye-bye. Char, there's, there's just things I know because I've beaten the game, and I don't know if I want to just fully just go into spoiler territory or just kind of leave it there. Right. Don't, don't go into spoiler territory. I mean... So, wait, Char, have you finished the game? I have. Okay, so I don't want to go into spoilers like Eric. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But um, I think that I think that he would live after Rebels. At least I hope. Just that that just based off hope. Rebellions are built on hope, and that's all I have for Cal at this point. So yeah, because when rewatching this, I was like, wait, yeah, does Cal not connect? Does he, does, does he just? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Take of it what I, you will. Yeah, I think he'll live once again. I think Saul Guerrero just lies. <laughs> I think he just has no, he has no reason to tell the truth to these people. Like, they don't, he doesn't know. He's, he's not got, a um, he's very witty when it comes to conversation, especially in Andor when he's talking to Luthen yeah. about uh, Ansel Krieger. And he, yeah. and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then Ansel Krieger just gets bombed. And he's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. I, I had no idea. What was this about? <laughs> Like Luthen lies, Mon Mothma all lies, they all lie. <laughs> yeah, all for the sake of defeating the Empire. But yes. yeah, each one has their own separate motives, but uh it's all in the greater good. Yeah, everyone in the chat, let me know what you think. Uh what Cal what's gonna become of Cal in the future? Do you think oh. he's gonna past the Empire? Do you think maybe he's going to perish before episode four? Um, let me know. But well, if they, um if they continue the like the whole like five year jump after every game, we could could the third game be during rebel season one and or that's always an option they could pull out potentially because i mean this yeah. episode takes place two years before rogue one yeah and, and survivor the... takes place in nine bby so and cal's whole thing could be like maybe he doesn't want to be like he's fine working with saw he trusts saw but like maybe he's a little shaky on the alliance and doesn't exactly know where like the alliance would stand on jedi so mm -hmm. Maybe he's like, not sure about that. Yeah, little did he know. Because um, <laughs> when Bale was in the mix, Bale was like, all right, I've been around plenty of Jedi. I have no problem <laughs> working with him. Uh, but um, but anywho, let's, I digress. Let's dive into the story of Ghosts of Geonosis. Obviously, from the uh, the screen, that is not me. I do not have gray hair and a beard, but I will be taking that guy's spot right now. But let's dive into the story. So I have two questions about the story of this episode, because there's a lot of things that happen. I mean, this is a two episode arc. They're all connected. They're back to back. A lot of things happen. From the first episode, I want to ask you guys, we once again return to Geonosis, but this time it's vastly different. When you viewed this arc for the first time, did you feel any remorse for the Geonosians after what happened to the Separatist Alliance and the Geonosian species? I did, definitely. I think so. Um, especially, oh, why can I not remember his name now? Um, Click Clack. I just, when I met, met that character, it's like, gotta, gotta feel bad for the Geonosians and, uh, I loved him and just sympathized for him the whole time. But um, yeah, I it was interesting seeing Geonosis again in this in this time period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yes, I would say 
yeah, especially after now rewatching this after reading Catalyst and, you know, really knowing like what Krennic uh, did to them and what they did to build the Death Star, I definitely feel sympathy for uh, them. And it's just like, like kind of we were talking about next week, just another example of the Empire stripping a planet for everything they have until there's nothing left to give and having absolutely no remorse about it and just using it as another way to control people. Yeah, I mean, just like what happened with Ilum on Fallen Order, just taking every <laughs> single kyber crystal you can get until there's nothing left, until there's yeah. a giant crater another order will use. But yeah, it's it was a weird feeling just seeing, because when you watch the prequels and the Clone Wars, you're all for the Republic. There's some that do like, that do support the Separatists because they kind of see like the corruption between the Senate, but everyone's for the Republic. Public, majority of the time but when you see the geonosians and you see what happened to the separatists at post order 66 and seeing like how the separatists were actually you know they were they were okay but they were not they were at the wrong spot at the wrong time and their intentions weren't their own but then the geonosians they get a bad rap because you know everyone doesn't like bugs i feel like you know if you see a spider on the wall you're not like ooh, let me grab no um so the fact that they went this way with click clack and the geonosians it's it's very i don't know it like kind of hurts in a way but it also it's like you remember the clone wars and you remember the geonosians and you remember how like one of them had made to her death um but <laughs> um, but uh yeah, anyway, Harith, uh, what were your thoughts on um, Trail of the Geonosians in this? I mean, there's literally no way you cannot feel sympathy for what happened to the Geonosians. Like, the fact that, like M said, the Empire was like, oh, we're just going to come and mine this planet to literally, until it's ash, and then just poison everybody and leave. Plus, with what happened in the Clone Wars with how they were used by Dooku and then the Trade Federation to basically further their own goals. So yeah, they literally created weapons of mass destruction, lost the war, and then the Empire was like, hey, we're just gonna strip everything and make our own super weapon. You're no longer useful. We're just gonna kill you all. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the saddest part because like like in, in the um, the one with um, Rex, when he teams up with the droids, I'm forgetting the episode of that. Uh, is it um, the final battle? That's what it's called, the final battle. It's a few, epi- a few episodes we covered. Yeah. When you have droids working with Rex to defeat the Empire. Because, like, the Empire is, like, you know... Because at that point, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And you have to, like, move on. Because there's one main target you gotta face is the Empire. And I just love that old wounds become friends, in a sense. And also, building off of that, I love how Last Battle plays into this arc. Because it's like, well, yes, Rex has gotten over his PTSD of what happens. We kind of get the contrast of that with Saw Gerrera. Of kind of Rex being like, like, holy shit, you're letting your trauma kind of just drive you to this extreme that's like unheard of and he's kind of just explaining it to ezra like the audience of like yeah Sila's death basically has pushed him over the edge yeah um austin m do you have any other pointers about like the the vibe of geonosis like what click clack's plan was when he was defending the place because episode he was terrified even though he was head you know he was doing little you know mischievous stuff he was scared he was very scared after all that ensued on the planet but yeah any any thoughts on planet was like and how like everything was set up in terms of like the shield generator and the the droidica sitting in the sand and yeah i thought it was i thought it was very interesting there was the this whole sandstorm kind of reminded me of that uh deleted scene from return of the jedi where all the sand is blowing but that's just a side thing but uh oh yeah no, when, i i uh... 3PO and R2 walk through the sandstorm and then there's Luke. Oh no 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 when yeah. um oh when when they escape the the sail barge yes. and they're getting on the Falcon. And they're trying yeah, to get to the right. Falcon. Yeah. Yeah, and you have like they're like wearing um they're wearing their coats over their heads and stuff. I love that. Um so that kind of reminded me of that but no, like I said it is uh it is interesting seeing Geonosis here. It was it was like I feel like when I first 
watched uh, the episode all those years ago, I had to watch both of them again because it was kind of like very uh, informational. Uh, lots of lots of information at once about what's going on with this planet and um, it took me a while to even grasp what click clack was actually doing and you know once we get to the end and see him go down it's like oh, okay makes sense but M, any any uh thing you gotta say about the the first question okay <laughs> the prequels are not my era so <laughs> I also wanted to bring up Pat's comment of, because it is related to the the question of how, how Geonosis is for now of like, again, because he says, if you remember the Clone Wars Geonosis arc, the Republic hit the planet pretty hard in society. They destroyed all of its industries and returned because of one factory. That, that was during the second battle, right? When yeah. the, the factory gets destroyed? Yeah, that was, a lot of shit happens. <laughs> uh, the Clone Wars, um, yeah, everything that's happened on Geonosis over the past 20 years since the first battle, places a wasteland now. But, um... Yeah, well, anywho, let's dive into the second question, which is mainly about Saw Gerrera. So I want to talk about the ruthlessness of Saw Gerrera because there was a point in the episode where he drops his hollow projector on the ground and Ezra picks it up and he sees Stila, you know, Saw's sister that he lost her in the Clone Wars. And he's, you know, very angry about it. He's very like, give me that. What are you doing with that? And so he's got like... um a spot in his heart that he still has, but he will never show it. He'll, he'll never express it. He's very, he, he, he will, he will close his chest. He will not, he will not express anything to anybody except hatred, unless it's towards the empire. Cause empire bad, always bad. Um, but there was a time where, so when click clack is about to be taken on the ghost to go get questioned about what the circle within the circle is, because at the end of this episode, at the end of this arc, they don't know what it is. They still don't know what it is. Even though he drew circle within a circle three, four times, they still didn't understand it. But Saw was about to execute Click Clack because he just has this ruthlessness and animosity towards anyone that's going to get in his way of information and success. So how does this Saw Gerrera kind of shift between Andor, Rogue One, and everything? Because as time goes on, from when you see him in the Clone Wars... Till this point. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at armyhistory.org. He is vastly different. Vastly different. Yeah, if you guys want to just think about the progression of Saw's character from when we first see him till now. Yeah, I mean, I think this episode of all Saw's appearances, I think it's one of the ones that actually treat his character better. Uh, even though like a lot of the uh, there's I mean, there's quite a there's quite a few things where it's like, okay, wow, like that's that's pretty extreme. But then it's also kind of one of the only ones that like by the end of it, no, yeah, I'll, I'll like let this guy live. And no, I've lost people before. He like he kind of learns somewhat of a lesson here, and so I I uh, enjoyed that aspect. But uh, it it makes sense why like why he would act the way he does. And I think a lot of the characters like you know Kanan is like I don't blame him. Like Rex, like Harith said, like uh, Rex can relate to Saw. I feel like in a lot of ways and has overcome um, feeling that 
like anger and just ready to um, get anyone out of his way that is, you know, stopping him from what he thinks is the right way of doing things. Um, but I, I, that's the thing about Saw Gray. It's like, I don't, don't 100% like agree with everything he does, but I think like it is very justified within his story. And then too, a lot of the times, like he is, he is pretty, uh, he is kind of speaking logically, like, you know, click clack did have like the information that he needed and you know everybody agrees like yeah we need to figure it out you know how he was going about getting that information maybe the ghost crew didn't agree with but they were just trying to get the information all had the same goal so you know yeah i mean it's just saw's paranoia getting to him we know from the rogue one novelization and rogue rising that Jin kind of sees that like how far that it's kind of gotten him but i mean i feel like a lot of people don't talk about the fact that like it is like this is this is the manifestation of you know the real life trauma or the trauma that happens when you spend your entire life fighting a fascist regime when you have seen your family and friends get killed when you have to adopt a child because her mother was killed and the empire stole her father so they could build a a super weapon that will ultimately kill both you and her like when you're not sure who you can trust because anyone could because people can be spies or you know the empire is not above doing anything to uh to crush the rebellion the one thing i always talk about with saw is franz fanon's wretched of the earth he talks about how violence is can be justified like or you have to use violence sometimes the colonized to get out from under the colonizer and oftentimes the fact that like the oppressor will not respond to anything but violence so i think that like is something that we can clearly see in in saw is that idea that like the empire will not respond to anything but violence bale and mon moth can, uh, can try but they are failing and i like this is the only way that I've seen to to get their attention to make any sort of progress towards being free. And I mean, and like, and I think it's also interesting to how, you know, when you talk about the progression of Saw's character, how part of that also comes from physical appearance, the fact that like, he becomes more armored as the story goes on and wrote or and, and or they show him less armored uh, but he slips you like when he first pricks up Jin, he has like a limp. Um, but, you know, by the time we see him in Rogue One, he is has like a fully like cybernetic foot. He has a breathing machine because of injuries like it's it's always really interesting to see like how his mental decline kind of is is uh, attached to physically as well seeing him uh, decline because of just like the the stress and the injuries that he's gotten in this fight yeah and it's fun to know that his breathing problems came from geonosis with with the the chemicals and the toxins that are just in the air on geonosis and the stand getting in his lungs and it affected him it's it's that's a cool thing that i learned it was like him being on there was the reason why his breathing is so bad well because it's, it's he was so paranoid at finding the death star he basically was just circling around geonosis until he broke his lungs it's crazy that just that just blows my mind that we just we just see him here and he's just like let's find whatever we got to find and then you know fast forward two years later <laughs> but yeah anything else you want to add about Sagarera harris i mean i just find it funny like i still think one of the most ironically funny moment in rebels is when Hera pulls kanan aside it's like hey 
So Sakura is a little bit on the insane side, and then you just cut to Sakura beating the shit out of Click Clack. I think that's still one of the, like the funniest like cross cuts. Like I know I know like it's a serious scene. I just find it so funny that it just goes from man, we really shouldn't trust Sakura to. And just, just shocking him, and you're just like, whoa. Also, Hera, big talk when your fucking droid has killed. Like, <laughs> like oh, big talk. Sagarar is as extreme as your droid literally pushed a dro- another droid out the fucking <laughs> ship. <laughs> Girl. Also, the the fact that like Saul literally holds the entire like species of the Geonosians hostage by literally just grabbing the egg and just putting a gun at it, you're just like, what the hell, Saul? And I support you. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, do what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to add before we dive into the lore of this episode? Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com slash holiday. Let's just jump into lore. All right, let's dive into the lore of Ghosts of Geonosis. All right, so this is actually my segment, the lore. That guy right there you saw, that's me without the mustache because the mustache is beautiful, but I was told otherwise because these guys are meanies. All right, so the uh, the lore for this episode is titled Borderline Extinction. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Um, in this episode, we learn that the Geonosians are about to become extinct after the Empire wiped them out after assisting the construction of the Death Star. In Star Wars, there are a few species that have or have been near extinction. Some examples, the Rakatan Empire extinct, the Zepho being extinct, the Lasat being borderline extinct, and even animals too, like the Mythosaur was once thought to be extinct. And and a lot of the times that's just either a massive event that happens or just as time goes on, they just get taken off. But what was one moment in Star Wars that made you think like, how did they survive this? Because there's been a lot of massive events. Chemical warfare. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm surprised that a marriage was even able to kind of solve that. <laughs> wait, 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 which which one was this in? Was this in Convergence? Yeah, the like, uh, Pon- it's a uh, Fontuan series planets okay yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> nicholas in the comments got me <laughs> yeah rono and iram yeah iram's been around for a bit yeah yeah but like that like war was just so like i was the way that they describe it uh yeah what it was like leading up to uh with like poison and stuff is is crazy <laughs> yeah i mean hell even the the wookies were during like the imperial era were almost extinct as well yeah because the clones were just like either we're gonna put them in chains or we're gonna just kill them mm-hmm because they're ruthless and that's what the empire is all about Mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate but that's just how 
I guess things are. But uh, Austin, what was one moment in Star Wars where you were like, how the hell did they survive this? Uh, so it could be a group, it could be a species, it could be whatever you want. I see, I see. Uh, I think one of the moments in Star Wars that I've been thinking about recently is when uh, when uh, it's the duel between Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Dooku. And Obi-Wan gets thrown, and then a giant platform lands right on his head. <laughs> How does he survive that? Uh, but also like the emotional trauma that these characters have like how do they survive that like leia has lost everyone how did she survive that like there's this it's kind of or like obi-wan like how did he survive going through what happened with anakin like that's the stuff i'm like oh with with like mentally yeah like how how do you get through that i mean i guess there's a series about it but (laughs) (laughs) in the sewers i don't know how they didn't their vaccinations on Corellia must be so fucking strong. <laughs> like, um, I'm trying to think of all this examples. Like, um, I, Captain Phasma on Starkiller Base. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, how, do, how did she survive that? You know? Um, what else? It's um, not like there's a comic series about how she survived, but you know. Yeah, there is. <laughs> but, like, if you're someone who just, you know, views the movies, you kind of think, like, wait. <laughs> She got off of that supernova. I mean, how, uh, how did she even survive living on her planet? <laughs> if you've read Phasma. Yeah. Like that shit was rough. You I like, mean, yeah. Like if you, re- if you read the, the Phasma book by Delilah S. Dawson, that, uh, that book goes hard. <laughs> yeah. You learn about her family life. You learn about her, uh, her developing relationship or not relationship, but like close contact with Hawks and their schemes with, you know, Papa Hawks. And I, I it's it's wild how sometimes a character is like wait how are you here somehow just making life like i'm still amazed like i always had hope because boba fett's my favorite character and how he survived the starlock pit it was in legends but he survived it mm-hmm. and we figure out how but i mean no one survives a starlock pit if you're in you're in <laughs> like that's it but somehow you just found a way um i'm just maybe go um, like I'm not even gonna mention the name Mace Windu. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making me go to like High Republic brain rot with. I'm just thinking about the Amaxian warriors, or more specifically, the Drengear and Into the Dark. Like the fact that they were in stasis for a thousand years in statues, more or less, and then the Jedi were like, "Well, oh, let's just let's just move them back to Coruscant, see what happens." Nothing that's gonna happen. Yay, Reed Silas. <laughs> They fucked around and they found out. Found out. <laughs> yeah. Again, like just like the whole like not even just like the them unfreezing them, just like the whole fact that they survived that entire encounter, like them unfreezing the Dren gear, the Nile basically being undercover there, Rafe fighting what is it what is his name? Is it Daxon? Oh yeah, whoever. Is it, the guy that gets like corrupted by the dragon gear and like gets brought back. Oh, are you talking about the guy who takes the uh, the bearish vow? Yeah. Man? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah his name starts with a D. I'm forgetting his it name. Starts, I, it's not Dex. But... It's like Dazen or something. I Dra- Dra- yeah, something like that. Not Skier. No, Skier's not Reese, in. Into the uh, like former's master, apprentice, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to recall. Skier wasn't in Into the Dark. He was mentioned, but he wasn't. No, he wasn't in it. The the all all of the Skier stuff mainly happens in the comics. Yeah, because I mean, there was a Jorah Mali reference in the book because of what happened in the book prior. Ugh. Um, but yeah, but and with Skier, whatever. But um, yeah, like even the Jedi Order, like like the amount of times where we've seen Jedi survive Order sixty six, mm-hmm. we're like, how did they get out of that? Like Keller and Beck in the Mandalorian, like. <laughs> 
He's over here holding off an entire battalion with two sabers while also saving Grogu. Like, it's it's incredible. And he got shot down by an LEAT and just somehow managed to escape. We're like, ha! Because he's Keller and Beck. That's fucking why. <laughs> yeah. Like, sometimes, like, Star Wars has, like, this ability to, like, have something you may think it's impossible be possible. But it's like, there's no way. <laughs> Like fantasy. Like like back when um Callus was talking to Zeb about the Lasat and and then when Callus sorry what Des is oh Des Ryden Des Ryden that's his name yes so close Um, with Dex that's why I was (laughs) yeah I knew it had a D and a Z in it that's why I said Dazen or whatever (laughs) but when um Zeb meets up with um the other honor guard and um for what, what's what's the old lady's name oh the old Lassat and yeah oh god what's her name oh. i think she has like a three-part name i'm not sure but but seeing him being around other Lassat, he was like there's more because he he was under the impression that he was the only one left mm-hmm. and that's what and that's the unfortunate reality for some species in here because we because the empire just wants to go by we don't we don't care about you we don't need you you're not important anymore we will just discard you and it's it, it sucks it sucks sometimes when you see the destruction of something that didn't even need to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But that's Star Wars, you know, like the Jedi Order didn't need to be destroyed, but it was. Yeah. And every single time you watch Revenge of the Sith, you wish you could change it, but you can't. Um, I mean, speaking of Order yeah. 66, like how do they survive? I always laugh at uh, Obi-Wan just like getting shot off a cliff and just falling into water, just somehow surviving. Like he literally was like, I don't know, like, what what would you say? 500 to 1,000 feet in the air, gets shot, and then literally falls into water and survives. (laughs) He's good at belly flops. He trains. (laughs) But even even Rogue One, when they survive Jetta, when they all get on the U-Wing, and they're all just out of there, like, what? Like, not even one rocket, though? Like, like someone just survived a Death Star blast? Really? They had a droid on their side. (laughs) yeah there's a problem there's no horizon (laughs) one of my favorite quotes in all the movie but um yeah any um final thoughts about borderline destruction for anybody or any that you thought maybe should not have survived but they have last and survivor spoilers anyway (laughs) (laughs) i was like i guess phase three we'll see what happens with the nile (laughs) at least you know vanessa has plot armor yeah vanessa does but margie on road does not (laughs) I'm curious what happens with the Nihil because um, it's not long after 100 years we'll get to the fall of the Republic. So yeah. I just want to know what they're up to. Maybe they're all on Iriadu just drinking with having a fun time. Or maybe they're just gone. They're <laughs> maybe <good>. they're just, <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe uh, maybe uh, Markian will still be alive. But uh, So true. Who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll, he'll retire and build a cantina like Grease. But uh, anyway, I digress. Let's move into the interconnectedness for my boy Harith Productions. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. And let's get into interconnectedness, even though technically you already kind of touched on Sagarera with the whole, like, previous depiction thing. I'm just going to slightly slant it a little bit because of... I, I knew when I was writing interconnectedness, I knew I was going to go Sagarera because I hadn't read Catalyst. So I knew I couldn't dive into that fully as much as I wanted to. So let's That's talk. <laughs> so let's talk about Sagarera's characterization and how like different writers handle Sagarera because he has so many goddamn appearances in canon. And he had, like we got the Andron arc, we got Bad Batch, we got Fallen Order, we got the solo novelization, Rebel Rising, 
Rogue One. Just trying to think of all the different Catalyst. writers. So. Ca- Catalyst. So how does Dave Filoni, obviously he created the character. How does he handle the differences characterizing Saw versus Tony Gilroy, Beth Revis, or- James Lucino? <laughs> Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. I mean, yeah, Gareth Edwards. Partially. <laughs> oh, you said bad? I want to hear why. <laughs> Peace and love. That man should never write Saw Guerrero again, and I will <laughs> scream it from the mountaintops. Uh, he loves to have Saw Guerrero as like, l- look at this extremist versus this nice white lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know what you're doing, Dave. It's not very subtle. Um, he just loves to, like, I don't understand how a man who created Sagrera's trauma seems to have such little regard for how that affects his character decisions and why he thinks that suddenly other characters are better because they, like, handle trauma, like, differently or whatever. I don't, I don't love it, but Beth Revis my my beloved, the only woman (laughs) to ever, no, I'm kidding, but she... (laughs) The way that she writes Saw Gerrera, the way that she specifically shows a softer side of him by putting him in this uh, parental father figure um, role is it's so good and it's it's so beautiful. Um, James Lucero also does a pretty good job. It's a younger Saw, but he even does a pretty good job like working in that relationship. Like Jin asks um, if uh, Saw can stay with them on Lemu and it's really sweet. Um, but yeah, I think I think that and I think uh, the writers of Andor and Rogue One also um, did pretty good. Uh, and in then addition, kind of Alexander Freed, um, because I think Alexander, I mean, obviously, Alexander Freed was working off of like Rogue One, but the way he adds to Saw's inner dialogue specifically, and um, Jin's inner dialogue in the scene that they the their uh, meeting scene again, um, is really good. And like how he kind of processes all those complicated emotions that go along with that relationship. Um, yeah, and I also particularly really love the way that uh, Beth Revis writes Sagar's outlook on the um, rebellion and also how he, um, his relationship in losing Stila. Um, also, one thing I also have a major issue with Dave Filoni for <laughs> is you'll notice that every other writer specifically shows Saw surrounded by his partisans. And Beth Revis specifically hits on the fact that Saw is a very his persons love him they want to follow him he's very charismatic they believe truly in him and what he's and and that he's going to lead them dave filoni in rebels specifically always shows him alone creates and it further pushes this idea that like no he's so extreme like it's it's crazy like he's insane like nobody like wants that like except for like even in the one rebels it's only um two tubes that is Mm -hmm. with him but then like everyone else shows yeah like he's surrounded by his partisans and all that like which that makes a big difference in the characterization when you show someone alone it further tries to push this idea that like he's so outside and like nobody like good or like respectable would like whatever like agree with him when that's like not the case at all (laughs) and like he does have a lot of people and a lot of people who are extremely loyal to him like two tubes like we can see that like him in particular has been with saw for at least 
five five years. Uh, we know the partisan Lassat stayed with Saw from everything that happened with the uh, like Callus up until the events of Rebel Rising. Um, like, and even uh, Survivor, if Cal is still working with Saw, that shows that's five years that Cal, like, consistently worked with Saw. Like, that's, and Fallen Order, that, with, the, with him uh, giving the the Wookiees and the Kashyyyk, the Partisans, basically helping them give him weapons to fight against the Empire, give him a fighting chance. Yeah, uh, like, that's a really big issue that I have, like, with Dave writing him. Um, in Rebels, at least, Clone Wars, it's a little different, but... Um, yeah, I'll let other people talk. Sorry. No, oh, no, I mean, that, was, I mean, that was perfect. I mean, I love that you mentioned the fact. I never really noticed that how Filoni always like puts him alone. Yeah. And then other times he ha- he's like, it feels like that he's like a mafia boss and he needs guards. Yeah. And he's like, he's one of those guys that has like those guys entering the uh, the front door is like password. Password. Like that's that's how yeah. it feels like. He feels like, like a. His- a, a he feels like a Falcone in Batman. Yeah. You know? Like his isolation, like the isolation of him is really different from the other scenes where like he does generally surround himself with people and like he doesn't trust as people as openly, at least not like after Jin, like he did really rely on Jin, but... Um... Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, like even on Jedi, like you can see how full that base is. Like it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, they're over here playing playing games and hanging out and, you right. know, bored Golich. There's like a rep room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Austin, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Emily. Like, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of writers, some writers, they they take Saw Gerrera and use him to show, like, how good other characters are. Like, oh, this is how, you know, Ezra, like, showing how um, he's just morally better than Saw because, you know, he he would never think to to fight this way. Same with the whole ghost crew. And it's like, yeah, that that's great and all. Like they they fight a different way, but I feel like they're able to show that without putting down another character like Saw Gerrera. Yeah. It's uh, it's not the it's not the best thing uh, in Star Wars. Also, I almost got whiplash from uh, hearing you guys say that Dave Filoni created the character because I never even realize that like i knew like yeah. he showed up for the first time in clone wars but it never like clicked like oh dave filoni the the one that i really don't want writing him is the one who created yeah we're like wait clone wars Onderon. ah i remember right he's he's so intrinsic to the rebellion at this point that like he he feels like such a rebellion empire age of empire era character yeah. that you do forget that like you're like oh shit yeah because yeah, wasn't it at first like it wasn't even supposed to be Sagrera and Rogue One, but then it was like, oh well, all the dots connect here, so might as well make it Sagrera. I feel like that's where a lot of the disconnect comes from for me, where I'm just like, hmm, I don't know. I love I love Saw, and like like Emily said in Rebel Rising, like best appearance, but that's also just my favorite Star Wars book. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and again, I also find it, like, interesting, like I said, like, the, going back to the whole, like, because, again, like, I love how different writers characterize different characters, but especially with Saw, like I said, I think Filoni kind of just falls into the trap of, like, oh, let's push the extremism of Saw and, like, push it to, like, like the 10th level extreme, like, which is weird because Saw Gerrera is part of the Rebel Lion symbol. It's literally Phoenix Squadron mixed with Partisans equal rebel alliance so it's very interesting that like you said like that they always try to push Sagra as the outsider mon mothma and bail organic could never agree with saw's motives he goes too far 
he pushed to the extreme but again it's like obviously also, by the time of rogue one it makes sense but like during rebels yeah. you're just like no also, like he's in the right here also like talk as much shit as you want about sagrero but like without him you'd all be dead you would have lost because uh if he if he's not there if he doesn't raise Jin or so you don't get circle within circle plans. yeah like you don't get it like it's just like I mean, and I think also, like, a, a huge thing with Saw is the fact that, like, none of these stories are from his perspective. It is always, he's always a supporting character. Like, even in Rebel Rising, which I really love, like, he is a, he's a supporting character in Jin's story. Like, all of these stories, he, he does, it's not from his own perspective, which I feel like we really need. Because um, I think that would change a lot of the way that like some fans perceive him um and also like it would just like really help with his character to see a little bit more of like his internal monologue to see kind of reflections on on his trauma on the empire on his plans and all of that um but like we just ha we haven't gotten that yet like it's not um even though i i feel like it's weird because there's so much time and, like, people love to be like, oh, Saw shows up in everything. I was like, but collectively, his story has so many holes in it. Like, you don't know what he's doing for so long. And, like, so there's a lot of opportunity to tell a really compelling story from Saw's POV um, in any time across either his whole life or, like, picking any time in between the ones where we don't see him. Right. And it's like, going back to the argument of, like, oh, Saw Guerrero shows up in everything, it's like... I don't really get that argument because every time he shows up, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. He's really active during this era. Yeah, he's he's just about the only character where whenever he shows up, it's it feels natural. It makes perfect sense. Like people being like, oh, oh my God, like Saw's going to show up in Andor season two. I'm like, yeah, yeah, mm. maybe because like he's in the Rebel Alliance and was like pretty instrumental in like finding the Death Star and like all that. Like, yeah, like I guess maybe the one place i think that could be argued would maybe be bad batch um but that maybe is kind of his one where like it didn't have like or at least where it's like it didn't have to be him it could have been maybe just like any rebel um but besides that yeah i feel like it, it makes sense wherever he shows up going back to the andor season two thing because like, again when i was writing this question i was looking i i don't like using wikipedia as a source because i never read the article i always just look at the sources there's a pretty massive gap in saw Guerrero's story between two bby and one bby where we just don't know what he's doing so there's still a good that, year where we could fill the story that a lot of the time before he met Jin is like we have like a, a couple of places but like a lot of the stuff between the fall of the Republic and his adoption of Jin is is really yeah. not there. Even him adopting Jin, he went on a lot of missions on his own. Yeah, and one of the really cool stories is because um, I believe it's in the solo novelization that um, that Saw introduces Jin to Emphis Nest. And I thought yeah. that was a really, really cool connection between the two. Yeah, I loved that so much. I think I think that's so cool. I think. I mean, one, I think it's cool because I think Enfys and Saw uh, are really similar and I think that's cool. Yeah. And then I, of course, like just connecting the two standalone films in that way is a really, uh, really cool thing, really cool connection. Uh, and it just makes me want Enfys in Andor so badly. And Erin Kellyman said she wanted to be in Andor. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her in. We need her. We need her. But um, I think one of the cool things is that because... Enfys Nest and Sagarera are two very unorthodox rebels. They don't do mm -hmm. things like the, like the Rebellion do. You know, the Rebellion will do according to plan. But Saw, they're like, do whatever yeah. it takes. Whatever, yeah. whatever cripples this organization that's doing harm, we'll do something to correct it. Mm -hmm. 
It doesn't matter what it takes, what we have to do. They'll just do it. Like, we see Emphis Nesta in Solo. Like, obviously, she has problems with Crimson Dawn and, you know, the the Vandor extraction when they're trying to get the 100 um, K-grams of Quaxium and that just goes mm-hmm. to crap. And Dryden Voss is like, they've been on my case for forever and I ever? thought that you would expect it, Tobias. And they and then at the end when she offers han like you know you know a chance to join the rebellion and then you know eventually fast forward 10 years later and he does here we are <laughs> <laughs> but that should wrap up interconnecting this char are you ready for some three interesting facts i am are you are you all right ready for three interesting facts i am i, I love that. i love this let's go let's do it <laughs> three interesting facts about a certain rebels arc that you didn't know about until now part 35 the Ghosts of Geonosis edition. Fact one, similar cosmetics from Return of the Jedi. The battered rebel helmets littering the cave floor on Geonosis are the same commando design seen in Return of the Jedi and Rogue One, a Star Wars story. They sport Saw symbol seen on, on his tattered cape in Rogue One. Two, character design transitions. In Star Wars The Clone Wars, Saw had piercing blue eyes, while his live-action incarnation had brown eyes. This version is somewhere in the middle, green eyes. Fact 3. Geonosians in a new light. Click Clack proved an opportunity to do something never attempted before. Create a sympathetic Geonosian. Hence why I asked that question earlier. The production team pointed towards District 9 as an example, where an insectoid alien could be turned into something other than creepy through portrayal and circumstance. And there you have it. Those are the three interesting facts about Ghosts of Geonosis. Again, that's interesting. I was going to do the whole like Geonosis thing, but you beat me to it. I mean, hey. Is this the first time uh, uh, Forrest voiced uh saw in like an animated like non-live action context yes i think this came out this was around the same time of rogue one so i mean it came out like three weeks after rogue one okay which i remember was like oh exciting did it did it actually hold on let me let me uh, go it was 2017 Geonosis came out because wasn't it like january 2017 or february ghost of Geonosis part one it came out uh why is it taking so long for me to figure this out uh did you know did you know okay come on tell me i have unwarranted beef with this arc in that them making saw bald again confused everyone for the timeline of andor and i was like in the trenches people being like well clearly it shows that this is after that and i was like guys i promise you one people do not have the same haircut for all the time and i was like i promise you it, it is after like i people can stop shaving their heads and then start shaving their heads again yeah <laughs> i was like yeah. oh. i was like saw is bald by choice it's not a he's not losing his hair it's a choice that he makes consciously Jin shaved his head Right after he abandoned Jin, he was seriously injured. It's possible that he, one, did not trust anyone to come near him with a blade. Also, <laughs> and it's... two, he was, he was too injured to shave his head himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. MJ. <laughs> he does wear wigs. Yeah, and also, uh, Austin, yeah, you are right. I was looking it up. It's January of 2017 when this episode came out, or when this arc came oh, out. Oh, so, like, so. really, like, like, right after like, Rogue yeah, One? Yeah, it was three weeks so, Rogue after One was Rogue still One. in theaters. Oh, yeah. that, okay, that, that makes sense Filoni's characterization of, that makes more sense with Filoni's characterization of Saul because he was probably working off draft scripts of Rogue One was like well let's, let's try to make this work yeah and, and to be was... fair I think the look too is reflective of what it was in the beginning of the film and before reshoots because mm-hmm. there's 
behind the scenes stuff on Jetta where he's bald, but then they switched. Like I think in reshoots they redid his look. Like oh, yeah. the look they had when he went to go rescue Jin, and then after they yeah. kind of like flip flopped. Yeah, Be- because in the yeah tra- the original trailer. I don't know if you remember this story because again the original trailer was the Gareth Edwards version of it. There was the saga where of like the like him saying you remember to fight speech and he's bald. Yeah, no, and like there's right. pictures of like him with Felicity on like Jetta when they're like it's like they're talking or something and he's bald um yeah and then it's like in reshoots I think they changed his look and then that's why then Rebels goes back to the hair look mm-hmm. yeah that's actually a really good point <laughs> it's almost like Rogue One's a prequel <laughs> or it's a Rogue One prequel it's- it's crazy how characters and stories that are prequels to Rogue One would have characters that showed up in Rogue One. <laughs> it's almost crazy that there's like two years between stories and he grows hair and cuts it off and grows it back. Like, who would have thought? Listen, Obi-Wan yeah. grew his hair back in like a week after shaving it all off to go <laughs> undercover in the Clone Wars. So, <laughs> Also, don't forget about Brotherhood when he shaves everything, uh, gets rid of the mullet, then three months later has it back. his hair just have some really great hair growing serums in star wars it's 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 meant for uh quick recovery after an undercover mission they got something they got some they got something and uh i feel like that we should have it (laughs) like immediate hairdo there you go (laughs) but let's keep your head and not be worried but like, Harith, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, let's write the episode. Oh yeah, I was about to do that right now. Oh, and you just, you just canceled me. <laughs> Not in that way, but right there, you kind of canceled my input. But anyway, let's rank the G- Ghosts of Geonosis arc. Is it a bad enzyme? Is it an or ensign? My bad. I know. I remember one time Luke and I got Inside. mad. Ensign Devento. I, I, for, me and Luke, I know a little bit of. The, the, so is it ensign? Is it? Lieutenant is a captain, admiral, or chef's kiss grand admiral. That's the best of the best. We'll go with captain. Captain? It's just, it's just good. It's good? Okay. Anything in particular that either made it a captain, the things you like, things I you mean, dislike? Like, like I said earlier, I like how in the end it's like it shows that Sagar like clearly is a human being and like can sympathize and you know has lost people before i did like that aspect but kind of everything before um i I didn't really like how it just felt like sagra was there to make the rebels look really good Mm -hmm. or the ghost crew look really good and uh kind of um i don't know how you put it like ruin his name in the process (laughs) tarnish slander (laughs) slander yes Okay, so we got a captain. Where do you rank this episode? Um, I'll give it an admiral. Um, okay. I think it's definitely one of the clone or the rebels episodes that I think about the most. And like when I think back on like the series, it's one that um stands out to me. Uh, but yeah, I think similar to uh, Austin, there's some things about Saw's character that I don't really love the way he's written. Um, I don't think it's as bad as like the season four, <laughs> uh, what they did to him, but uh, generally I like it. And once again, I think it's cool that like um, in the context of like when it came out, that like it came out so soon after Rogue One. So it's like really cool to see, like, let's see what Saw's been doing. Um, awesome. So we have a captain and we have an admiral. Gareth, where do you rank this episode? I would also give it an admiral like i still think it's one of the most underrated episodes of rebels because like i think if you combine these two episodes you get like great amount of tension with the battle droids of when they're going to activate and then the whole click clack reveal of like oh he's been basically hiding out and just protecting himself from the empire and then again you get the 
the hilarious like saw Guerrero moment of, of him being like hey he's not really that trustworthy and then just cutting him just beating the shit out of click clack so again i would, I would put it at, like an admiral not wrong <laughs> Uh, the thing that holds it back from a Grand Admiral, personally for me, is just I don't know. Like I don't really give a lot of Rebels episodes Grand Admirals, except for like the Jedi Knights, uh, Flight of the Apprentices, those like really big like holy shit episodes of Rebels. Like it's it's really good episode. I just didn't wouldn't think of them that upper echelon. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna jump on Austin's boat. I'm gonna call it a captain because I feel like there are elements of this episode that really shine. I think this was kind of taken away by because they relied on the nostalgia of being on geonosis and the geonosians mm-hmm. and the droids and everything that was going on there but i mean i don't think it really accomplished too much but it was really just trying to express like how what happened to the geonosians that was essentially what this arc was about like what happened and yeah. we learned that but it's still a mystery they don't know because obviously like, no one speaks geonosian go, unless you're go read cataclysm yeah. by james lucero that yeah. was basically this episode was like a big advertisement for go read catalysis exactly yeah just catalyst sorry by james lucero i can't even imagine fans that read catalyst watched rogue one a couple weeks later this two episodes of rebels come out like that must have been an insane time to be a fan and then i think rebel rising came out after that so it's like all saw Guerrero content all at once mm-hmm. so much <laughs> 2017 was a... Uh, tw- yeah, Rising came out in time. 2017. And prior Saw to Guerrero that, he had like, one appearance. Like, nowadays, it's like, when Saw Guerrero shows up, it's just like, oh, it's Saw Guerrero. But back then, it was like, he had only been in the Clone Wars. He was like an obscure character at the time. But now, now he's out there shining. But at yeah, what cost? And suddenly, you're like, he had a child. <laughs> he raised a child. Sean, thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate that. Lies! Deception. Deception every day. Let's, let's see you can do it lies. Better. Let's see you can do it better. Lies. Deception. Lies. Every day. More lies. You're trying too hard to do the force when it curse your eyes. His voice is very um, lies. Deception. His voice is like an more lies. It's like you you can't really. It's kind of hard to replicate, but um, yeah. But thank you so much, Sean, for the two dollars. I love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Saw is still bejeweled. <laughs> Um, he can still make the whole place shimmer yeah but I mean Saul was a superstar of this episode I have to say I mean we had a lot of good conversations about Saul Guerrero um, yeah um, Harith you ready to close out yeah ready to close yeah alright but before we head out Austin where can good people find you on social media before we head out find me on Instagram at SWAustin and on Twitter SWAustin0 M where can the good people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on TikTok at StardustM. Once again, please go like my chain, Aldani Rebels. I work so fucking hard on it. Uh, <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, underscore StardustM. And you can listen to my podcast, Castle Run Relay, with uh, my besties, Liv and Hey. We're releasing a new episode tomorrow, probably, on the High Republic Phase 2. So Yeah, go, 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 uh, go follow Castle Run Relay. I hope one day that I get to be invited on there. Yes. Because I love your show. We have plans. <laughs> we're just <laughs> we're just far out from <laughs> places where where the three of you fit in episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um We still have, we still have a lot of movies to get through. <laughs> yeah, let's just say we ensue a lot of chaos. <laughs> but um yeah, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate that. But uh Harith, where can the good people find you? Well you can find me at Hair Productions on TikTok and Instagram, hair for underscore edits on Twitter. 
And you, of course, you can find me here on the pod ones. I also want to mention for this episode, again, we started doing it last week, that if you caught this episode live, you caught it live. But after this episode's over, it's going to go unlisted. And then we'll, in about probably a couple hours, depends how long it'll take me to edit this, you'll get a edited version of the podcast with different camera angles and more condensed conversations. It'll be the same version as the Spotify version as well. I just decided to just do it in video and audio at the same time. All right. And you can find me here at the... Um... You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at charcharj, as spelled right here. And you can find me here at the Pod Ones Podcast every Thursday night as we cover our Star Wars Rebels rewatch. Check us out next week as we cover Season 3, Episode 14, titled Warhead. There we go. All right. And thank you, everyone, for watching. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel if you have not already. And um, may the Force be with you. Always. See you guys. Lies! Lies! Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage, the kid's tuition, and all the other bills? In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses. Take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof. Not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA. Get a quote today.